0: Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway. And I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Welcome, Pathway family, Westlake Valley Goddard, to those of you watching online as we are continuing our series, Breaking Out. Now, I do not have a magic show for you today with the door. Some of you may be disappointed, but we'll bring that up in our message here in a bit. Today, we are following the book of Exodus, right? We're following Moses and the Israelite people as they break out of slavery from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Now, really what the Israelite people did is they put up an SOS. They needed a way out. And they couldn't do it themselves, but they looked for God, and they put their trust and faith in God, and he provided a way out. Now, SOS, it's been around since 1905. For 117 years, people and groups have been uh, using SOS to get a way out, to be rescued. Now, I don't know if you actually know this, but... Let's see if you know what SOS stands for. So if you're watching online, you can type it in the chat. On one of our campuses, you can shout it out. So right here, what does SOS stand for? Anyone know? Ah, you guys are smart. Look at that. Yes, I heard it. You can finish it with me. Save our ship, right? That's what SOS stands for. And if you didn't know it, right now on your phone, there's usually two buttons you can push together. The thing will pop up, emergency SOS. You can swipe right on it and a rescue team will be notified of your location and be able to help you out. Now, I heard that in 2020, there was a story that came out that reminded me that people still use SOS. There were three men, they were in the Pacific Islands, and they were kind of going on a joyride. They were going on a 26-mile trip on a 23-foot skiff boat. Like, one of those fun joyrides They probably had drinks with umbrellas in them, just going to kind of have fun. But then something happened. They got lost. And I'm not saying they got a little bit lost. They got really lost. I don't know if their navigational system went out. They ended up running out of fuel, and then the ocean took them where the ocean wanted to, and they ended up 124 miles away from their original destination. That's lost, right? They ended up there. They didn't have a way to communicate, to navigate. They were running out of supplies. Their family realized, well, they didn't come home when they should have came home, so they called the emergency rescue services. They looked for them, but they're 124 miles away. They couldn't find them at all. Well, they began to be resourceful. They took debris and rocks, and on the beach, they made this giant SOS on the beach. We can look at a picture right here. When they looked at this picture, a helicopter ended up flying by and seeing this giant SOS, and they were rescued. They had a way out. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had kind of a near-death experience. I've had a couple close calls in traffic that maybe could have turned bad, one time I was really, really dumb and I went through a barbed wire fence on a four-wheeler, right? I got scarred to prove it. I, I don't approve that. Don't try that at home, right? But maybe, maybe you've had one of those bad experiences. The truth is all of us have needed rescued in some area of our life at some time. And maybe it was a, a medical um, issue that you had and you had to have the medical team be able to save you, to rescue you. Or maybe it was first responders. It was firefighters or EMS or police that had to rescue you. Or maybe it was a relationship, a relationship that you needed restored, right? Maybe it was something in your marriage or a strained relationship with a kid or something with a family member or a friend that you needed a way out to be able to break out of that relationship and restore it. Or, or maybe what it was for you, something with a friend that you needed to help getting restored in that the truth is, as we begin to look at God's Word, and we look at the Bible, and we start to put our faith in what it says, that it is all true. All 66 books of the Bible are true. They're not just stories, but they're things that happen that we can gain life experience from. When we begin to put our faith in that, we understand that we're all on kind of a death sentence, right? There's certain death that is coming for us that's either simple or complicated, depending on how you look at it, but we're all on this death sentence. But there is a way out. There's a way that we can be rescued. Nothing that we can do, but a way that God provides for us. Let's pick up in our story here in Exodus. The last three weeks, we've been looking at chapters 1 through 11. And if you missed those weeks, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those messages. But let me just quickly catch you up. The Israelite people needed a way out. They were enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They actually had a really hard life, They pleaded for God to help, and God sent them Moses. And then Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh basically said, you guys are lazy. You have too much time on your hand if you're asking me to let you go. So I'm going to make life harder for you. The Israelites had a very hard life. And then God's faithful, right? So God is showing his power to be able to rescue the Israelites. So he sends these nine different plagues against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And we've seen some of these plagues last week with Pastor Rodney, right? The plague of frogs and turning water into blood and the plague of the locusts. And each time Moses went back to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And now we're going to pick up the 10th plague, the plague of the death of the firstborns. And we're going to pick this up in Exodus chapter 12. The first five verses, I'm going to summarize these for you. So God went to Moses and his brother Aaron, and he said, go to all of your people, everybody in the the Israelites that are in Egypt. This is around 2 million people at this time. And he tells them to go out. This is a brand new month. This would be the the first month of a first year. I want you to reorder your calendar because this is so significant, this event that's going to happen. Go out and take a lamb. And, and find a lamb on the 10th day of the month, bring the lamb home. This lamb has to be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat. It's got to be perfect. No blemishes, no defects. Take care of this lamb. And then we're going to pick it up here in verse 6. It says, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. This is four days that they've had the lamb. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. It goes on to give very detailed instructions of, of what to eat from the lamb and how to cook it and what to wear. And then we pick it up here, verse 12. It says, "'On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt.'" I will execute judgment against all of the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, what happened next is Moses went to the elders and gave them these instructions. And then the elders went to all of their families and people, the Israelites there in Egypt, and gave them the instructions. And basically, to sum it up, what it is, is you take this lamb, you sacrifice it, it's your offering, right? And then you take the blood and you come to your doorpost. And you smear the blood of the lamb on the top and on the sides of the doorframe. And then that night at midnight, when God passes you over, he'll see that blood— and he will not allow the angel of death to come into your home, and the firstborn will not be killed. All of the people of Israel heard this, and they all followed it. They all followed God's command. Then we pick up verse 29 here. It says this, And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. We're going to kind of unpack why that happened here in a moment. But let's just remember that the Israelite people needed a way out. They needed to be rescued. They pleaded to God, and God gave them a way out to be rescued. I don't know where you are in your life right now. If you understand that you need rescued, that you need a way out. And if you are feeling that way, you can put SOS on your front lawn but it's not going to work, right? Your neighbors are just going to thank your crazy cousin Eddie, and it's not going to work. Rescue's not coming for that. But there's another SOS that we can apply in our lives, and if we do that, God is there each and every time. To look at this, we're going to look at an acronym, right? SOS. So the first S here that we're going to look at is SIN. Now, I don't know if you ever thought that SIN is expensive. SIN is very expensive. And even in our culture and today, we hardly ever use the word SIN, Right? We use the word mistake or something like that. I made a mistake. Hey, my intentions were good, and maybe I made a mistake. My bad, my fault, I'll get better. We hardly use the word sin, but sin is expensive. Let's just look at our text to get an idea just here in Exodus of how expensive sin is. Verse 12, it talks about, the, it talks about judgment, right? That God will execute judgment. Now he is judging the Egyptian gods, He is judging Pharaoh himself, he's actually judging the Israelite people as well. When we look back on Exodus chapter 5, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, release my people, Pharaoh made life harder on them. From that, because they made life harder, the Israelite people went to Moses and said, God should punish you, God should judge you. You see, the Israelite people, they rejected God's messenger, God's word, and God's judgment was on them. Sin is heavy. Sin is expensive. Verse 13 says a plague of death, right? That's how expensive and heavy and weighty that sin is, that God would send a plague of death. Verse 29, strike down firstborn sons. Sin's expensive. Let's go to the New Testament and look how sin's expensive. First thing I want you to know is the Apostle Paul, he writes this in a letter to the church in in Rome. And he says this, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Everybody watching online, everybody on our campuses, myself, we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But how expensive is sin? Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord sin's expensive it costs life it takes life it ends life but why why is that that seems really heavy and we know that god is a good god that he's faithful that he gives us mercy and grace and he provides a way out well to look at that let's look at the second part of our acronym we have sin plus offering now another word for offering it could be substitution right if sin's expensive and it takes life, it takes death to cover the cost of it, then is there an offering or substitute that we can give to God that would make a way for us? Let's go back and summarize part of our story. So this is what God told Moses who passed it on to the elders, who passed it on to the people. That you would take a lamb on the 10th day and you'd take that lamb home. This lamb would be a one-year-old male, a sheep, or a goat. It'd be no blemishes, no defects. You'd have that lamb at your house for four days. Now, probably not in your house, probably outside, but you're taking care of it. You're feeding it. You're watering. Now, can can you imagine this? Like, I've got a seven-year-old girl and a two-year-old girl. If we take a nice, cuddly, cute lamb and we have it at our house in four days, they're going to bond, right? Like, my oldest is probably going to name the lamb, and they're going to have this connection. And then, as we continue to look at our story on the fourth day, you have it for four days in the evening time. You take that lamb, you raise its head, take a knife and you slit its throat and blood is splattered and smeared on the white wool of that lamb. It sounds brutal, right? But the significance is not escaped from the firstborn son in that household. It's not escaped from the parents or the siblings or those that they know that the life of this lamb is an offering. It's a substitution of the life of that firstborn son. That has not escaped from them. And then, as we continue to look at this, of what happened, everybody listened to this. Everybody listened to God's instructions and his command, except the Egyptians, right? Scripture says that there was no firstborn killed in the houses of the Israelites, but every house of the Egyptians had a firstborn that was killed. None were spared. None of them followed God. None of them followed his instructions. Now, honestly, there's sometimes in my life, kind of my college and, and young 20s, that I was way more like the Egyptians than I was the Israelites. I wasn't living for God. I wasn't following his command. I was living for the kingdom of self, not the kingdom of God. And if we look at our culture today, there's many people that are like that too. They're more like the Egyptians of living for themselves than living for God. And I think there's reasons and excuses that we, that we use, that I've used in my life. I want us to look at a few of these reasons or excuses. The first one would be, I'm good people. You ever heard that one? Like if there is a heaven, if there is an afterlife, if someone's going, then good people got to go to heaven, and I'm good people. Right? I'm nicer than the other people around me. I'm even nicer than some church people. I know some church people that are pretty mean. I'm, I'm good people. So if there's a heaven, if there's a full life for me to have, I'm good people. I should go to heaven. Another reason we use is I attend church. I attend church. I even have some scriptures on some frames I put up in my house. I wear some bracelets. I listen to Christian music. I even know some scriptures of when I was younger. I attend church, but I don't really want to follow what God says. I just kind of want to identify as a christian but but i don't want to follow and fully devote myself and make god a priority but i attend church so if there's a heaven you know i i do this twice a month and i kind of go to church my kids kind of go that that i deserve heaven here, here's my offering for me to go to heaven and have full life here on earth or, or maybe this one not right now i'm really busy Right? Maybe you're just getting out of college and you're like, if I start a family and have kids, then, then possibly we'll start to go to church. Or, or right now, my, my kids are older and they're in sports and they're really busy in and, and my job. I'm going for this promotion. I just can't follow God right now. I know that would cost me too much. I have to change parts of my life. But in a year from now or in five, when, when things settle down, then maybe I'll be a Jesus follower. Maybe I'll obey what God wants. But not right now. I'm too busy. Let's look at the offering that, we have. that was the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament, right? And see what offering that we can have to give God. If, if sin costs life, then what's our offering? What's our substitute? Okay? John the Baptist, he says this. We want to look at this in John 1 29. He says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, and look how excited he is. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's good news, right? Amen, church? That he takes away the sin of the world, takes away the sin of you and I. If we've all sinned, John is saying that he takes away that sin. Romans 5, 9. Let's look at this. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. We weren't made right by the birth of Jesus Christ. We weren't made right by his teachings, by his perfect life. We, we wasn't made right because of Jesus performed miracles. We were made right by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is our offering. Okay, Hebrews 9.22. Maybe one of the most important verses in the New Testament. Let's look at it. It says, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Listen to this. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness our offering, our substitute. Without Jesus going to the cross and dying for you and I, there is no forgiveness. There is no heaven that we can earn our way to heaven and have a full life here. It takes the offering, the substitute of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not to take blood from Jesus or any type of blood from a lamb and put on the doorpost of our house, right? But what God sees, he's going to see us take the blood of Jesus, and it's written on the door frames of our heart. And he's going to see that death has happened because of our sin, our personal sin that we have caused. And he sees that we put our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ that will pass us over, that we'll have full life here on earth and life in heaven and eternity with him based on our belief and following Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our acronym, sin plus offering plus self. We have to make this decision for ourselves. It doesn't matter how devoted our parents are, our grandparents are, on on how great of a Jesus follower they are, on how many times they've prayed and communities prayed for you. If you don't make this decision for yourself, then your offering falls short. This has to be a self-decision for you. But honestly, if we look at that church, that's an amazing thing. Because it means our decision isn't based on anyone else. It's not based on any other decision or any other group of people that we could be a prisoner behind bars and we could make this decision. We could be a CEO of a company and we can make this decision for ourselves. We could have things happen to us in the past that seem so horrible, but that doesn't matter where we could make this decision to be rescued, right? To apply this SOS to our heart, to have Jesus' blood on the doorpost of our heart. But it's got to be our decision. Let's finish up our equation here. We have sin plus offering plus self. What does this equal? Salvation. Now, here's the thing. If you get to a point that you understand you need to be rescued, right? You've tried and tried and tried and tried again, and you failed every time, and now you're going to a new way. You're going to God. You need to be rescued. He is there every time. Like those three men that put SOS up on the beach— Maybe a helicopter goes by, and it did that time, but there's probably been many of those times that nobody came. Nobody was rescued. But what if we apply SOS to our life, to our heart? Here's the truth. Sometimes it can seem like God is distant, like he's so far away, like I've lived my life so bad and so far away from God that I've got to work my way back. Like months and months and years, I've got to work my way back to God. But we say this so often here at Pathway Church, that God is one step away. Right? What we mean by that, if we make the self-decision that he's there, he answers this SOS every time that we can be rescued, that we can have new life, that we can have a new beginning. Now, if you're watching today and you haven't made that decision to name Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior You'll have an opportunity to here at the end of service. A self-decision, a personal decision to put your faith and your trust in God to be rescued. You know, all of this, it reminds me of a story of my friend Terry Allen. Now, Terry is in his 50s, and he's lived a majority of his life more like the Egyptians and the Israelites. He had reasons and excuses not to follow God's plan in his life. And Terry would tell you, uh, he'd give you the quote that he was a user, an abuser, and a liar. And he was distant from God, or he felt distant from God. He had some destructive habits that caused so much pain in his life and pain to those that he loved and that he cared for. And he tried to fix them, and he'd go on roller coasters, if you've ever been there, of, of good things in life, and then you're down in a hole. And, and finally, he decided to try something new. He applied SOS to his life, and, and, and he didn't quite know how to do that, but he was like, I'm going to call different churches and have somebody walk with me and somebody to help me, and, and Terry had called, I, I think it was like four different churches here in the Wichita area, and he just needed help because his, his pain that was causing other people, he didn't know what else to do, and, and unfortunately, none of these churches called him back. None of them answered. None of them called him back. I, I don't know why, but, but then his, his next church that he called was Pathway Church. And i got to let you know that the Pathway Church, we are so passionate about meeting people where they are and walking with them that we can point them to the good news of Jesus Christ. And fortunately, I was the pastor on call that day, and it came through as a voicemail, and I listened to it, and I called him right back. And a couple hours after that, we were meeting here at one of our offices. And I began to hear his story and to hear just what he's been going through and the pain that he caused and these destructive habits that he just couldn't get past. And it broke my heart, but, but there was a part of it that I could just tell his heart was humble, right? He was finally at the end of himself, that he was hitting this SOS, and he was going to turn to God. And we prayed, and, and cried a little bit, and we just talked. And, and I just I was able to show him the hope, the life, the truth, the purpose, the peace, the joy that's found in Jesus Christ. Like, here's, here's what God is offering you, but you got to make this personal decision, Invited him to come to church that next weekend. And at the end of the service, they made the invitation to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he raised his hand to make that decision that God was there to rescue him from himself. I began to walk with Terry, and, and we talk multiple times a week. Began to do Bible studies in the YouVersion app and look at God's word and God's truth. And it wasn't easy. There were things he had to get past. There was pain he caused to other people and consequences of that. But, but I walked with him through that. And then about nine months after that, Terry made one of the best decisions in his life that he ever could. Right here at Pathway Church, he took the step of baptism. Look at this picture. Look at that joy in his face, that, that new life, new beginning. You know, people that knew Terry before said he always had a scowl on his face. He was always mean. And now if you meet Terry and you'll see him here at Pathway Church, he's got a smile on his face. Now he's walking with other people. He's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. You know, I guarantee you that when Terry dies, that he's got a spot in heaven. He's going to spend eternity with God because he had SOS on his heart. He's going to have full life here on earth. What what is full life when we talk about this? Full life is peace, it's joy, it's victory of these destructive habits, this sin that we can have in our life. Full life means you're forgiven, that there's nothing that you did or that you were doing that isn't covered through the blood of Jesus Christ's offering that, he has Terry and all of us, we can have the blood of Jesus written on the doorpost of our heart. The original Passover, it was so significant that God told them to change their calendar. This is now the first month of the first year for you because you're going to remember this day. Exodus 12, 14, it says this. This is the day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is the law for all time. You see, they remembered that they needed rescued. They remembered that God's faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his power provided a way out, provided for them to break out of slavery. And next week, in the next few weeks, we'll continue to see just how they lived and how Pharaoh let them go and how they broke out of that slavery. 1,500 years has now passed. Actually, more than that. From the original Passover to when Jesus died on the cross for you and me. They remembered this and they shared it. They remembered it and they shared it to generation and to generation. And that's what we need to do too. If you've been rescued from God, we need to remember and share. If you've gotten to the end of yourself and you know you needed God in your life and he rescued you, then don't you share that? Don't you tell other people, here's the path, here's the way. Don't you walk with other people to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others? You know, I I love Easter and just the story of Jesus and how he died on the cross for us. And three days later, he rose from the grave. It was an empty tomb, right? And there were people that actually saw Jesus Christ in the flesh after he rose from the grave. They saw that he was dead and then he rose from the grave. And they had a choice. They could have kept that to themselves or they could share it with other people. And, and what did they do? They saw that this happened. They were like, I followed this guy. I've seen the miracles. I'm going to share his good news. And, and they told someone, who told someone 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 who told you about the hope, the purpose, the peace, the joy, the good news of Jesus Christ. And now we've got an opportunity. We're we going to keep that to ourselves. Or are we going to remember it, share it, and tell someone? Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we continue to learn about your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace, your purpose. Father, we're grateful that we've learned that you provided a way out for us. That when we believe in Jesus Christ, you've rescued us. We can follow him and his plan to have full life here on earth and spend eternity with you. Father, if we've been rescued, I pray that that we'd be able to lean on you for, for you to give us opportunities through our words and our actions to share your good news to others. Father, I know there's people that are watching this, that, that are in this room, that, that they've been told before to invite people to church, to be able to share the good news of Jesus to others, but, but fear or other reasons have held them back. And, and maybe this was the message they needed to live more intentional, to remember and share. And, and I just want to give you an opportunity, if you feel like you're going you're gonna to start remembering and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ like you've never done before, that you're going to go out this week and be able to tell someone about what God's done in your life with everyone's eyes so closed, I just want you to raise your hand as a sign and a commitment that you'll remember and share. Praise God I see those hands. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we would lean on you, that when you give us opportunities, we'd share your good news through our words and our actions to other people pray that you give us the words to say, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us in those conversations. I pray that more and more people in our community, in our schools, in our families, in our neighborhoods would get to know that you can rescue them, that you can provide a way out. And I know there's other people in the room that you've never made that decision to name Jesus Christ the leader and the savior of your life. That maybe it's today that you've realized that you're lost That you got off track and you're lost, but but you've heard this message and you know that, that God is here for you, that all you have to do is apply SOS to your life, and you can do that right now. If you're ready to make that decision to name Jesus Christ the leader and the Savior of your life, all you have to do is just repeat this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I was lost, but now I'm found. I lived a life for me and not for you, but I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I will devote my life in following him, not just believing. Now, if you said that prayer for the very first time, if you named Jesus Christ the leader of your life, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand and be bold as a sign of the commitment to God that you made that decision. If you're watching online, you can just click the link to let us know. Let me pray for you. Father God, we are so grateful for this message. Allow us to find a victory in what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross. That when he rose from the grave, that same power, the same faithfulness you had in his life, it can be in ours. Father, allow us to walk together with these people that just made a decision to follow you, that we'd walk with them, they'd begin to share your good news to others. Father, we love you. We ask all these things in the loving, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen.